This is the podcast where you come alive to your own exclusive magic and find strategies to work that magic in the real world in a way that feels authentic and exciting and inspired and lucrative (laughs) and fun. I'm your coach, Bethany Shipley, and this is The Bethany Shipley Show. A little bit of a preface before we dive in. Um, I am recording this little blurb after our interview. So Jamie and I just got off of our interview. I finally like got myself under control from the ugly crying that I was doing towards the end of the episode. And I think it's so amazing that, you know, this podcast all along has been for the vision of serving other people. But time and time again, I bring people on that I feel like our conversation is actually for me. And I feel like I grow and I learn so much. And that is exactly what happened here in this um, podcast episode. I see Jamie as someone who is, you know, 10 steps ahead of me in this specific journey of uncovering who we are and stepping into with courage, um, grabbing the microphone to say what we need to say. And I admire that in her and I applause that in her and I am called to a level up in my own life in that in her. (laughs) Jamie, I love you. You guys, without further ado, here is the interview with the one, the only Jamie Nato. We have Jamie Nato in the house. Jamie is an author, a speaker, a comedian, a mom, a wife, and an Instagram star. Did I miss anything, Jamie? I have never been called a comedian. That's really? New. Yeah, no, I'm not. Oh I my gosh. To be a comedian, but thank you. Okay, <laughs> well, I definitely consider you to be a comedian. How did well, that land for you just now when I said that? I just didn't even know what to do with that. Usually I have like a funny thing when they're like, am I missing anything? And I'll be like, plant killer or something. But I, yeah. <laughs> I was like... Hold on. Am I a comedian? Should I go to SNL immediately? <laughs> well, you make me laugh and thousands of other people on the internet every day. So I feel like that definitely um, puts you in a comedian category. Well, excuse me while I um, enter into the elderly SNL race. They are <laughs> looking for um middle-aged women to really bump that show's presence up so (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh okay well tell us everything from the beginning as much as you want to share like who are you tell us your story well I uh, that's such a loaded question I have four kids I have been married for 17 to 20,000 years and kind of learning as I walk through life who I am and making a lot of missteps and um you know by being multi-passionate I always wondered like why can't I just stick with something it's, I grew up in an environment with just a lot of shame like a lot of body shame a lot of um shame for being a woman a lot of shame for having ambition a lot of shame for being weird so I think what people are watching me do usually is undoing that. And I sometimes think the best way you can undo really hard things is to add humor to it. And 
I mean, I have some really sad, serious posts. I talk about heartbreak all the time, you know, or infidelity or having a differently abled child or things that are hard. But I think sometimes you can engage people by just saying, and if we don't laugh, we're just going to cry. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, okay. When you just said that, I, I share that with you and I don't know if we've ever talked about our pasts. But how do you navigate talking about that, that you had a lot of shame growing up without in the back of your mind thinking to yourself, the same people who may or may not still be in that environment are going to hear you talk about that? Yeah, it is delicate. Sometimes it's delicate to honor people that you want to honor. And then it's delicate to tell the truth and be truthful to yourself. So I think it, it absolutely can be a fine line and it's going to look different for everyone. But I've found a lot of freedom in just saying what needs to be said, even if it's um, not pleasant, but I try to buffer it with grace. You know, I have kids now, I have them, they're in a church environment, which is where the bulk of my kind of shame came from. And, and we still go to church. Like I, it's just this dichotomy of, you know, you, you hold both things to be true. I was hurt here. I'm also finding healing here. And that can happen inside of your marriage. You know, I was hurt the most inside of my marriage and I found healing inside of my marriage. And, uh, you know, I just think God is weird like that, but it is delicate. I would say sometimes I don't tell everything, but I say what I need to say. Yeah. Well, and I've, that is something that I wrote down even before we got on this call is that you are someone who I feel like you, do, you, you teeter that line so well that you are always, you are an unconventional leader in the sense that you don't, um, appease, but I've seen you come out and say things that are highly controversial in a way that lands for people softly. Yeah. And that's something that I admire a lot because, well, I feel like I'm in a little bit of a, I'm, this is therapy for Bethany time. I love it. I'm in, I'm like, no, I'm like actually like, this is something that I, when I watch you, I want to learn from you. So I feel like it is appropriate to talk about here because it's part of your magic. I don't like saying this is the way here are the five steps. This is the, but I have done that for so long. Yeah. And it got great results. Yeah. And it stings yeah. that it stings and stinks that that is so powerful because people crave so much certainty. But what you do is so opposite of that, yet you are still self-assured. Well, I would say I haven't always done that. You know, there is a time and I think it is in your 30s when everything feels very black and white. You feel like you have a lot of certainty. I I really look at my thirties and say, wow, that girl, she could have wrote a best-selling book on just how to do everything right. And LOL, LOL. And now, you know, as I, you get to the later thirties and into the forties, I am just really great with not having all the answers. And I don't want to be the answer girl anymore. It's heavy. I felt like I had to have my mind made up on really um, 
difficult topics, I felt like I was regurgitating actually a lot of things that I was either taught or, um, I don't know. It's just, you, you do that, you regurgitate things. And then suddenly in my late thirties and early forties, I thought, do I want to keep doing this? Do I want to keep towing this line? Or can I ask some really honest questions about X, Y, and Z? And for me, that ended up being that purity culture movement that I came, grew up in um, and perpetuated and um, women in the church and how they can, how they have to behave and how they have to be managed. And I was tired of being managed. And so when you get to the point where you can't live in that ecosystem anymore, and now we go to God and say, all right, you know, I need to help undoing some of this stuff. And what I found was that he wasn't afraid of my questions. And I also found that I really liked who I was when I took all that heavy, those heavy bricks out of my backpack. Did you feel like there was a season though in that shift where you were like, okay, I don't have to be the person who knows all the answers, but also like, I want to, like, did you feel these feelings of, but I want to share what I believe? Yeah. And I think you can do that. It was, especially when you live life kind of online, there are things you don't need to say online. There are, there are things that don't have to be said. And there are some like tender private work that I needed to do. That sounded bad, like tender my private of some sort. Like I needed to tenderly tend to them. Um, but but some I'm of trying it- not to laugh over your voice because I'm like, that is the one thing when I re-listen to my podcast. I'm like, Bethany, you talk too much. But it is so funny. You you are a comedian. Okay, continue. <laughs> Tenderprivates.net, my new business. Um <laughs> it's good to hear people laugh. It makes you laugh, right? Yeah. So some of it is, I am a teacher in my heart. And so if I learn something new, I want to help you learn something new and we don't have to come to the same conclusion. So I think it's the, the journey is really valuable. It sounds cheesy, but I think the journey is really valuable. I think the bravery to ask questions is really valuable. And that's what I want my people to say. Like, am I just, involved in these politics because that's how I grew up and I am I've literally not thought it through but I'm going to regurgitate what my party line says because I find a lot of identity there and if I step outside of that tribe who am I guys yeah that is me that was me like I found too much identity in these kind of tribal areas whether it's faith or politics or you can do this in anything really And I found it to be a very exhausting way to live. I, I feel like where you were is where I am. (laughs) And I feel like, yeah, the emotions are just so like honest for me because, well, let's take the post you did on prom night. For example, you did a post about how to talk with your teenage son about consent Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of just rolled up my sleeves. Like I wasn't going to comment because I love everything that you said, but I like wanted to see kind of how humankind would behave to that kind of post. And especially you coming from the world in which you came yeah. of religion and um, like those, the, that's what I'm talking about. Like you said something that was you knew it was going to be controversial when you put it out there. 
why did you just just like how did you come up with the gumption to just say I'm gonna say this anyway was it the person on the other side that you felt like needed to hear it yeah I I'm tired sometimes of telling the people only what they want to hear Mm -hmm. because yeah, I'm telling my kid to pull out the chair for the girl. Yeah, I'm telling him to give his jacket um, when it's cold. These are all great things. No one's going to argue with that. Mm -hmm. But suddenly you say, and I want you to be really responsible with her emotions. And I want you to be responsible for boundaries. And I want you, yourself, son, to be responsible and not put that onus on her. I think because I came out of an environment where I am tired of you blaming me for having nipples. Like I am tired of you blaming me for having a uterus and I'm tired of being managed. Sir, manage your own eyeballs. Okay. Like I'm just trying to swim out here. I'm just trying to swim. And I, I'm not out here scheming to get people to look at me. I just, but that was, I was told, that's what I was told about my body. And I was told that these men are these savage creatures and I just reject it. Mm -hmm. And my husband taught me a lot about that, um, just watching him and his character and how he respects my body. And I want my son, and sometimes it takes it coming from your mom for it to really set in. Um, good boys make bad decisions. And I'm not going to pretend that I wasn't in my youth group parking lot making out with a boy, even though we just did the purity talk. Like, <laughs> there, guys, hormones are out there. And so I'm going to have that conversation, however uncomfortable it is for you. But to say, I think as women, we've all been in situations, even with good boys who have pushed our boundaries, who made us feel uncomfortable, uh, who made us really, uh, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Like rape is still happening, guys. Sexual assault is happening and it comes from good, good Christian boys too. And I just want to put out a boy in the world who is aware, whose mother was brave enough to have a conversation that needed to be said, even though she did not love, she did not love having that conversation. But I do it for the women who are going to walk into his life. I care about them and I want them to feel loved and respected by my son. And and you did it not only for him, but also for the fact that now you, you shared it. And I feel like it's a ripple effect. Like you are using, um, yeah, you're using your impact in a way that I feel like is really inspiring. I feel like I'm being called, called, uh, to level up in this way right now. And I, I noted, I'm wondering for you, was there ever a time in which you were chasing the numbers in the sense that like your ego got involved, you recognized your ego got involved, but it just kept slipping back in and you just wanted to take your ego. <laughs> like Because saying controversial things affects the numbers. How do you navigate that? Was that ever a problem for you? It is always a problem. When you watch that follower count go down because you said something like your opinion about Oh, I do wish there was gun reform, you know, and then you have to kind of be like, well, I don't want your guns. I just want reform. You know, you it's like this heaven forbid you have a different opinion, especially when it doesn't align with your previous um, labels or previous associations. You're going to lose people who cannot. They literally cannot handle um, their echo chamber being approached. So 
but you see it, you know, you're on the other end, just watching those numbers go down. And I think what it came down to was, I don't think I want those people here. And I think what I want this, the people that I want here around me are people who can listen and who can respect that we have differences and still love me. I, I get tired of watching numbers. I'm not a numbers yeah. person and I'm not a strategic person. So I just never fit into that box of like, here's how you grow. And this is exactly what you do. I, I mean, I'm happy for you that <laughs> your brain works like that, but mine doesn't. I try to not keep my eye on the numbers, but of course ego is involved. I mean, of course ego is involved, but I think it's just an empty, it's an empty place to put your hope. Humans are very fickle. Yeah. And I, well, and I, I've noticed myself be like, there's a, so I, yeah, I'll have like this weird energy around putting something out that I know is going to cause an unfollow, even though I feel like the higher self is saying, put that out. Yeah. And I admire you for that. And I, 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 yeah, all my questions of course are for me to be in the hot seat and listen, but also because I think that the world needs more of that. And I'm, I'm guessing that's what your book probably is full of. Is that accurate? Yeah. I'm like, can you tell, I feel so passionate about it. I'm like, then I wrote a book about it. I want people to really lean into that being their full selves. I, I'm sad about the half, the half living. Like I've done that too. And it's really <laughs> miserable. Like where you're just halfway being yourself and halfway doing what you think that other person wants you to do. And especially as women, I think we need empowered to say, this is who I was made to be. And this is where I want to go. And I don't want to feel ashamed about my body I don't want to feel ashamed about money. I just, I think I've entered a new era of, I don't care anymore what you guys think. Um, I really want to live my most valuable life and, and, and be of most value to the people around me. And I can't do that if I'm living halfway. Yeah. So yeah, I don't even know, like I've heard snippets of what your book is about, but I don't actually know. What is it? Tell us, like, what yeah, is your yeah. book actually about? Well, when I started network marketing, you know, I'm in a church environment that is very um, restrictive to women. But in my workplace, which was network marketing, they were empowering us and pouring into us. And they were doing this thing called personal development. And I was blown away by it. They were all in <laughs> and they would educate us and give us the tools that we needed and just provide all these resources from us. And it was like this direct, I don't know, juxtaposition of these two environments. And I was so hungry. I was so hungry and I gobbled it up and I couldn't listen to enough podcasts and they weren't necessarily like faith at all, but I was honing my craft of like selling with integrity. How do I, how do I sell with integrity and grow my business and also lead this team? I, now I have these team who who they want to sell to how do I teach them how to get to where I've gone so 
the book came out of, I had a retreat in Kansas city that you spoke at and Wait, that's where your it. book started. Like the, yes. Wow. And I don't know if you were there for that part. Cause you might've talked after me. Um, and you were like rushing in cause you were late cause of the speeding ticket. But, but I can tell you, honestly, like I, even looking back before I even know what you're about to say, like that was a, when I walked into actually when I drove up at that like camp it was like a campground <laughs> Girl Scout, and yeah. there was something really um like sacred is the word there was something really special that was happening there it was it was like I look back on that time and I will say I am not I'm like ADHD guys so I don't prepare very well but then once I will prepare three nights before and once I hyper-focus on that. I will do more work than you did for like, you know, the six months preparing up to it. I just need a deadline. I need to hyper-focus, but I'm gone for those three days in my head. And like, as long as it's before the Amazon prime, like cut off for the order. Exactly. Right. Like then we're fine. <laughs> so I was thinking, well, what can I help my leaders with? And it just came to a thing that if these ladies don't stay in network marketing, but they encountered um, me, what do I want them to have taken away? If, wow. if they never, if they don't get, if they're not successful at this, if they can't make this business run, it's a hard business, mm -hmm. but what, what can I give them that can't be taken away? And it was personal development in the form of looking back to look forward. And so I came up, I couldn't find anywhere on the internet. Cause of course I wanted the easy answers and the, like the cheat sheet. But what I was looking for was what are the questions we ask about our lives that will help us, you know, move forward? And I could not find it anywhere. So I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do the work. And I thought, okay, I'm going to ask these ladies a bunch of questions. We are going to write it all out. We're going to brain dump. We're not going to overthink it. And then we're going to look at this bird's eye view and we're going to say, none of this was a coincidence. Everything was on purpose. How am I going to use all these? I call them breadcrumbs. How am I going to use all these breadcrumbs to create kind of a treasure map to find my way back to me? Because I think you are the best at your job. You're the best salesperson. You're the best teacher. You're the best whatever you are, mom. If you are firm in who you're made to be. And I thought that's what I want to give them. And that's what I want to teach them. And that concept like wouldn't let me go ever. I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm gonna write a book about this. No, I don't want to do hard things. So, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. it was an idea that wouldn't let me go. And I thought I'm going to have to go first and, and, and have a flashlight and shine the light on people's breadcrumbs. So they see like, oh, that is a tasty morsel I need to pick up. And that will show me how to get back home. Wow. And you, okay. So this, this was what, five years ago or more? Yeah. Okay. So the book was born long time ago. And then you obviously had to, did you come up with like all of the concepts that were in the book in those, in that weekend? Or has that been an evolving thing over the last several years? The questions are the same. To wow. be honest, the questions are the same. I That's didn't awesome. have to add one more thing to that. Wow. They, <laughs> I didn't know it, but it was a roadmap to write the book. You know, I had my questions. I had, I, of course, I love stories. So I had a story for each question about myself. You know, like mm. one of the questions, what were you doing when you were eight? Yeah. Everyone's playing school, playing doctor, digging in the dirt. And I'm pulling a wagon, selling rocks to my neighbors. 
Yeah. And just thinking, oh, that was put in me a long time ago. And I don't need to be ashamed that, that I love selling. I have always loved selling. And I just felt like, wow, this is blowing me away that my purest self at eight years old was doing something I'm doing now and combining all of these, you know, and you get lost along the way too. So even the misdirection is an arrow, like, Ooh, <laughs> not supposed to do that, you know, or right. that really wasn't pleasant, but that very unpleasant thing informs our very unique empathy, right? You, you come from a line of abuse. What do you think you, where do you think your tender heart is going to move towards? You're going to tender heart is going to find those abuse victims and you are going to minister to them with your words. And we have spidey ears. Like, yeah, I am so, uh, hell bent on setting women free. Why? Because I was oppressed for decades. And when I came out of that and I'm free now, I re I refuse to go back into slavery. And what I can do though, is I have my spidey ears and, but I know when, this gal is dealing with the exact same thing and I can hold my flashlight and I can say one more step, one more step, come this way. Like yeah. it's a joy. It's a joy, but that was born out of my suffering. Right. Ugh. I'm like, I, so you spoke at our, like our little retreat last weekend. And when you were sharing that exact thing, I was like, literally like snot crying over in the corner. And, um, I did not expect it to touch me so deeply. And do you, I, I have stuff to share on that, but do you feel like there's always some, some level of shame attached to a gift? That is such a good observation. I think we often won't even call things a gift because we have shamed ourselves into believing that, you know, it's cocky to say that I have that gift, this ego. I mean, it just, or that gift know. in itself, like yours, like sales, you know, being one of the things that you talked about Yeah, that has like when your gift or when your thing, it also carries a stigma. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is super challenging. You know, it is. It is. I sound like and, such a, it's like such a first world. <laughs> like, no, it's you, not. But, but it's not. real, you know? It's real. And it's, I, I you know, and, and it's tender to be a woman and um, exhibit confidence because we've been told that that's bossy or that, you know, we have been, shame has been put on us for those things. And so I think the more you operate in your gift, the more the shame must release because hope and light and goodness and love, they just like crowd out the darkness. Like they just smush it. And it's, it's not because you woke up in the morning and you put a daily affirmation on your sticky note on your, on your window. And it says like, I am beautiful. And I, which is fine. You guys, there's nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I sound like a total brown. No, there is nothing true. wrong with that. But that won't fix you. The The affirmations are not bad, but they are not going to fix you. Trust me. I tried to say I was beautiful in the mirror for 20 years. I did not believe it one lick. But I thought if I just say it enough, 
yeah it will like become true and because people tell you it will be true, <laughs> they do yeah if you they're just like, say this it is enough. the way there's yeah. whole books about it there's whole books about it and I just thought this is a crock of crap. Like this <laughs> is not working. And and I was diligent, you know, but it didn't work for me. And so, you know, what did work for me was I just really started to believe that God made me on purpose. I'm not an accident that the things that I love are not a coincidence that my gifts are made to be used and stewarded. And in fact, if I don't steward them, that has a heavy consequence on my life. And I shudder to think about, I shudder yeah. to think about not using my gifts that God gave me. I, it's just, it's a difficult world. It's tender world. And so shame will be attached to literally most everything, including gifts. Yeah. And, and do you feel like, okay, you know how sometimes people who are coaching you in your gifts, they say things like, um, well, it just look for clues. Like, look how, look how many people are tuning in, for example. But then you have a really incredible angle on your story. This was really what got me snot crying was your story about your professors in college kind of eye rolling about your grammar. And I've always appreciated in you that you kind of tore down. Like, I remember one of the first posts I ever read from you, not only was it packed full of like nuggets of insight and thoughts that I, I love thinking. And so you presented a buffet of options for me to think about. And, but there was like lowercase eyes. Oh yeah. And I loved, I, I kind of thought, wait, like that's, that's okay. Like that's possible. It kind of, <laughs> it was the, one of the first times that I ever saw someone be wildly received well online and also just write as if it was a quick text to a friend. Yep. Um, can you share like that story on, was it your, was it, were there people also on the other side of the fence saying you are an amazing writer, you are gifted, or was it constantly like, like just share that story. Cause I'm curious. Well, you know, using lowercase letters and things like that. It was just like good girl rebellion. Like I was just trying to find my boundaries. It's just imagine being so like <laughs> squelched in who you are that you are doing little things to be like, is this okay? I was mm. a toddler, you know, as far as personal development goes, toddler. So I'm pushing my boundaries and I'm seeing what, what works. And, you know, that might be silly things like grammar, but when we focus on doing things exactly so the right way and in the box and all that, you lose the meat of the goodness of what someone is trying to say. And, you know, I was an English teacher for a second and I told my students, hey, guess what? Your computer is going to spell check that for you. And so we're not doing spelling tests in here. God bless you. It's great to spell right. But the grammar I'm not do, we I'm not focusing on grammar unless it's just egregious right like read the room and be culturally appropriate but like I was annoyed that they put so many boundaries in front of my students that they it stole their person by the time they got to write this essay they were just so tired and so stressed out that yeah. they didn't have they didn't say what they wanted to say so I think you know that kind of a thing was just me 
wanting to say something and I'm tired of all the rules around it. Yeah. And blogging helped me do that. It was free. And, you know, and nobody could grade it. Nobody was grading it. No one was grading it. No one was grading it. And no, I never, my professors never were like, you're an amazing writer. Really? I was not, I wasn't a great student. Cause I guess you had to show up, but I, <laughs> <laughs> the math, especially. And, but I tried, I just didn't think like everyone. I also needed to, a lot more practice. And so blogging was the way that I now I always enjoyed writing, so it wasn't that I was good at it, but I enjoyed writing, crafting a good essay. And so I kind of look at those little glimmers of, I really did write for fun. Yeah. Like I wrote and I liked having a witty little sentence in there. I liked describing things. I would write things in my head. Like if I'm experiencing something, I would, it would be like, I'm narrating it. Like the yeah. sunset is like a, you know, I'm narrating that. <laughs> and I never, I just thought everyone was doing that. Right. You know, but now that I look back, I think, oh, LOL, you were a writer. It was you unique. Yeah. Well, when you shared that at our little retreat, I, I was totally like, yeah, just grateful that you have the courage to push through like the naysayers, like, you know, and produce something anyway, because I have not had that courage. Yeah. And that, I think that was what like struck me so deeply was that I felt rejection on things that weren't actually even rejection yeah. that I was so sensitive to yep. rejection that, you know, it became rejection. And it's, it's so, you know, this is the way life is when, when you say things as an adult, you're like, oh, that really wasn't that dramatic. But like in my little six-year-old mind, that was yeah. that dramatic. And I shared with, I don't know if you were in the room when I shared this, but that I used to write for fun all the time. Notebook, like as a kid, I have diaries that are like yeah. year, years of diaries and lessons that I learned that day and things. And um, like when I started getting criticism on that is when I stopped doing it yeah and I yeah I just um I just really appreciate you sharing like sharing that first of all and then also good golly I like I'm fine with emotion but like when I'm supposed to try to speak clearly and then it's like caught up I get annoyed with myself I'm like I can't I can't but it's just because it's so tender I was so tender yeah I did what you're exactly what you're doing when I came out of that religious institution. And I mean, I was, I was battered. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like I'm broken. I am there. I am the lowest. And the only thing I could do was watch the chosen series because I still loved God and I still loved Jesus. And that was not know what the chosen is. Oh, it's like a TV series. It's so well done. It's about Jesus. And, and just like the stories that we've all heard, but it's, and I'm very bratty and picky about uh, movies and TV shows and it's magnificently done. And so I cried every episode because I just needed to see, I just needed to have Jesus heal me from all these hurts inside of a Jesus place. Do you know what I mean? That wasn't yeah. him. Yeah. And, and so I cried and also I saw women all around him. Like I saw women all around him, the proximity and how they were included 
and it was changing me. And so then I go into this deep dive and I think I'm going to find every woman in the Bible and I'm going to see what I can learn about her. And she's going to light a torch for me all the way home until I can like get find my way back because I'm just so lost. Okay. And so I do this, I get asked to be on a podcast and it's, it's like about Mary. It was about Christmas and you pick someone in the nativity scene and you talk about it. And so I was <laughs> assigned Mary and I'm like, Mary, we all know about Mary. But what I found was staggering. And then I started reading Greek too, why not? And Hebrew learning and, and looking at, I mean, I was just deconstructing in full deconstruction mode. And on that podcast, I wept through the things that I learned because I was tender because I needed to hear that for me, not for anyone else to learn. I needed to be healed and listen to your tears. I mean, you're weeping because there's, you're what we're pointing to a wound, like something's digging around in there, you know? Totally. So I I totally understand. Yeah. And I, I recognize that. And actually since, I mean, gosh, I guess it's only been a little over a week since I saw you, since you spoke at our retreat, I, um, have like been writing every day and it's not for anyone else. It's just for me, you know? And, um, yeah, it's amazing what comes from like free flowing expression in whatever way. And I even, have been whipping out my notes app like when I'm sitting at Lennon's gymnastics and I'm like I don't have a prompt I don't I'm just like what am I like what am I feeling what's going on and I I'm curious of your thoughts because your breadcrumb of sales as you put it um it involves another person like a sale is a transaction yeah and I feel so much shame around the breadcrumbs that I've gotten since our last connection because there's so many that are pointing to interactions of other people's applause. It's like I, and I'm, I'm working through learning. Is this, is this a gift or is this a curse? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll read to you like yesterday I wrote, um, Literally, I did not plan on sharing this with you or anyone else listening to this, <laughs> but at, at nine years old, I remember, I'm not going to read what I wrote, but I'll tell you what I wrote. I remember living in the middle of Florida, super hot outside. I was in culottes cause that's what I was allowed to wear. No. <laughs> if you know, you know, yeah. um, and I was imagining that the people in my neighborhood were peeking through their blinds watching me prepare for the Olympics and I could hear it in my head like the young girl she was homeschooled she had no extracurricular activities but yet she pushed through and she practiced on her sidewalks you know and I could hear the judges you know like standing ovation like 10 card like all of that and in my little mind I was in the Olympics and what's so funny is you know I (laughs) in this little piece like journal thing that I wrote I realized that I was close to my boundary you know because we all had boundaries and like the cement line and so I was gonna have to do like a really quick 
swoosh because <laughs> I definitely had been practicing that. So like I swoosh around and then I finish my ride with like arms above my head in a heart, you know, because I was like, so, (laughs) so it's like this whole thing. And I look at, that's like one little example of all of the times I have romanticized impressing something or impressing someone or making someone proud. And I, I get discouraged by that, Jamie, because I'm like, dang it. Like, I don't want that to be so about me it feels really that feels really shameful to me Hmm. so I'm curious obviously it's different but sales um well I'm gonna decline actually I'm not gonna decline um I got a call but I realize I'm on my computer recording this not on my phone Uh so it's fine um how did you like what are your thoughts on that that is a what about for people like me who are seeing these things and it's coming up and it's like oh this isn't cute like this doesn't feel good to talk about I'm Mm -hmm. feeling in shame do you have thoughts on that yeah I just allow me to reframe that um that is a little nine-year-old girl who just wants to be seen and there's no shame in in a little girl who just wants to be seen you have you look even at your fantasies, which sounds like a sexual thing. It's not, but like <laughs> what you daydream about <clears throat> as a young child. And you will find in your case, you are performing. And there, there is a thing about performing that can obviously say, I'm just doing this for the applause. But I didn't find that when I put my little girl in dance when I put Penelope in ballet, she was dancing because she loved to dance and she needed to be seen. She didn't need the applause necessarily, but that was her gift. And so to see her and to just feed that gift, I think is really beautiful. I don't think there needs to be shame over a little kid who doesn't get seen, who feels different, who wants a bigger life, who dreams a big dream, and you just want someone to see it. I just, you know, that's not shameful. That's pretty pure. Like that's pretty, (laughs) pretty pure. And you will find that same nine-year-old is you. Now, you just so desperately want to be seen. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Because it's called the ministry of bearing witness. Like, I want to see you. So, you know, you think, oh, I'm just doing this for applause. No. Or are you using your gifts? And yeah, sometimes you'll get in the way of yourself, but we need to be seen. I need to see you. You need to see me. And I don't think there's applause. What is that? Affirming your gifts. I don't see shame in that. I think you'll just have to think a new thought around applause and being seen. When I think about it, like, I, I hear you and I'm like, I'm trying to bring that as Eli and I say, like, I know it deep down, but I don't feel it up top. Yes. (laughs) Um, That is like where I'm at with this concept. So with your daughter, she obviously had this gift of, you know, dancing and expressing through movement. What I've noticed through my life is that it didn't matter if I, like, I, I'm not gifted at rollerblading. Like it didn't matter what it was. Like at first it was rollerblading. Then it was, 
you know, piano and then it was writing uh-huh. and then it was like anything that I got any glimmer of a gift in myself in, I would work to the nth degree with no lack of discipline because that's how bad I wanted it mm-hmm. to hope to somehow be born for something. And then now I'm going in like my deconstruction and you talked about your thirties being like your season of like having it together. I just turned 30. I feel like I, that was like my last 10 years. So you're an old soul. You actually, I don't know. You're an older soul. I, but I like, what are your thoughts on that? Where it's like the theme reoccurring is the desire to be seen. There is or, or I guess I'll reframe the question because this question's kind of getting like big and bulky. My question is when it's confusing about, I'm going to actually say a different question. Do you believe people are born to do something? You know, I think we have innate differences in and how that will play out is going to look different. I think depending on your culture, depending on what uh, place you find yourself in, you're, you look at women in the past. So like maybe they have the gift of teaching these women in religious situations. Well, they're not going to be in a pulpit, but yeah. maybe a hundred years later, they would have been, right. you know, I think we're constricted by some, some boundaries that is true. But if it's in you, you're going to find yourself not being able to stop doing it. Yeah. So that person would be teaching Sunday school or she would be robustly teaching her children or, you know, you, so I don't think, I think it'll look different maybe for the time and space you're in, but what a time to be alive that we have so much freedom. Yes, we have boundaries, but we also have a lot of freedom to figure this out. And you know, I think when you, the question you're asking is like, I know that I need to be seen. I think the real question is who do I need to be seen by? And I, you know, that's where I don't play. Like this is, I'm a faithful person. I believe you have to be seen by God first and you have to be known by him first innately. And my dog is barking because my husband (laughs) is here. (laughs) So So, and I, yeah, I love that. And I appreciate that reframe of who do I need to be seen by? And I think so much of it is just giving that for me, like giving that validation to myself first of like, you know, the tendency to look at numbers and, um, you know, watch follower count. It only becomes a problem when it, you know, when that's actually the first phase of success measure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you don't need, I I think about in sales and what I teach people, even in like, I, of course I want to grow my following, but only because I have something important that I want to tell you. And I think motive really matters Mm -hmm. there. So it's okay to have ambition. Like it's okay to want to grow that. But like you said, it can't be the whole thing. And I love what um, Seth Godin says. And he says, you don't need everything. You don't need all the followers in the world. You just need your smallest viable market. You need yeah. the people who want to be there, who want to be around you. And those are the people who need to be all in. Like you don't need to have, be the biggest 
have the biggest following. You do need people to be bought in. And so how do we, how do we make an environment where people feel like they can trust you because you are trustworthy. I mean, I don't feel bad about that. Like I am trustworthy. If I tell you something, it's going to be something I really love. I really yeah. believe in, you know, and is that true of everyone? No, <laughs> like, no. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. What's the, the underlying message being the driving force to, to the desire of communication is like, that, that resonates for me for sure. Jamie, thank you for this therapy session. This <laughs> amazing or counseling. I don't know what this to be called, but no, I really, I really do appreciate you just yeah, the courage to, to, to share in you guys, if you are not following Jamie yet, go onto Instagram. It's just at Jamie Nato, right? Yeah. There's no okay. E so Jamie Nato. Yep. Yeah. J I M I. And then J A M I. Yeah. I J I M I will not get you to Jamie's Instagram, but J A M I will. Uh, well, yeah. And then there's no E at the end of that. And then NATO is just N-A-T-O. Yeah. Okay. And then jamienato.com. Is that, yeah. okay. That's where they can get your book. Yeah. Or Amazon. I mean, you can just, you can type in my name or this must be the place is what it's called. And it's a pink book. You can't miss it. So. So if you're listening to this before the date of, did you say June 4th? June 6th. June 6th, then it'll be pre-order. And then yes. after June 6th, but something that I have recently learned is that all of the pre-order sales of a book actually count towards the first week of, or is it yeah. the first week of sales? So if yeah. we all pre-order, then it's like going to be a snowball effect because authors get awards for like, you know, I mean, yeah. I totally think your book could be like a best, <laughs> like on the bestsellers list of all sorts of places. You're sweet. I sometimes you have other people have more faith in you than you have in yourself. <laughs> well, and it's probably hard to gauge too, just cause you know, that there's so much going on, but it would be, I mean, I think it'd be so awesome if we all flooded and purchased the book and counted towards that first week of sales together. And just, we can be the first people not your professors that stand around in class and say, this is amazing. Oh, you're, you're good to me. I mean, it really pre-orders really do mean a lot to an author, but if you're like strapped for cash, requesting it at your library is helpful. Or oh, yeah. like maybe you can't buy it on Amazon, but you heart it and you save it for later, you know, just because it's telling Amazon or it's telling Goodreads or it's telling the algorithm that you want to see more of that. And so there's little things that you can do but even with that said, like when one woman rises, we bring up how many women, women with us, like, mm -hmm. I think that's where I want to put my money. And that's where I want to put my effort and energy is making sure that women are rising because they bring up their communities. They bring up their friends. They bring up those closest to them. And I think it's a powerful thing to do when women support women. That's awesome. Jamie, thank you so much for being here. And I'm so excited to read your book. <laughs> oh, you're sweet. Thank you so much for listening to the Bethany Shipley show. I hope you feel more inspired. I hope you feel more excited, more clear on what your magic is because you are made of magic. And so all you have to do to make the magic happen is put yourself out there. So get on out there and do your best. Now you hear? <laughs>